Welcome to the Into the Wild podcast, where we will be interviewing outdoor junkies like ourselves about their experiences in nature. We hope to use this platform to continue learning and growing as both individuals and as an organization. We hope that you will accompany us on this journey of understanding the thrill others seek in the outdoors, the incredible memories and learning opportunities that can come from suffering experiences, and how the conversations we have can begin to make the outdoors a more just and equitable space for all people. This episode, we will be talking with Simone Wolberg, an environmental studies graduate and TEDx speaker with a passion for public health and environmental sustainability. This fall, she will be attending Santa Clara University School of Law, graduating class of 2025. She also spent two years at Santa Clara University in her undergraduate career and was an avid participant in Into the Wild, as well as a DJ for KSCU. In her free time between law school and undergrad, she volunteered at Hollett Creek Ranch, where children with disabilities engage in assisted horse riding. She also loves to hike and do improv. Into the Wild leaders, Kate, Jules, and myself, Lauren, are so excited to welcome her into the KSCU office today to learn more about her experience at Santa Clara and beyond. So welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, we're excited to have you here. I think, I don't know, maybe we could talk about how we met you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's um, a weird story. I wow. just, yeah, no, yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, I was just, uh, you know, wandering Santa Clara <laughs> University campus because I, I moved down here like a couple, you know, weeks early, uh, trying to figure out uh, how to, you know, return to this uh, beautiful suburban area that I haven't been in in a couple years. And I thought might as well check out the Into the Wild office um, because it was like a very, uh, you know, pivotal part of my experience in undergrad. So I went into the, you know, Benson basements. I assumed it was still in the Benson basement and I was correct. Uh, uh, The room's a lot bigger now, but uh, I walked in and um, I saw these lovely individuals sitting there chatting with one another uh, with, you know, bright smiling faces. And I thought I should just introduce myself. And from there, we just chatted about all my wild experiences from 2016 to 2018. And uh, they thought I should share them with all of you today. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun to see you come into the office. So I guess, how did you initially get involved with Into the Wild? Yeah, well, oh boy, I went on a trip almost every week of my freshman year. I can't really pinpoint how I found out about the club, but uh, someone had told me, check out the Into the Wild website. There's a lottery every week and it's super competitive. And if you get a trip, you're not going to regret it. And I just trusted that person. I was like, sure. And uh, I can remember like four or five trips that really were awesome. I met the funniest, nicest people, um, you know, Brewster Knapp, uh, Matt Pearson, uh, uh, Kelly. There were so many different people, leaders, uh, Kirsten Dojo, uh, very welcoming. And uh, yeah, there I could talk about a bunch of trips, but first I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So on that note, what was your like? What was your best favorite trip that you did? Ooh, okay. This is a tough one. Um, but in terms of, uh, I guess, learning experiences and, you know, embracing challenges, probably the uh, Green River trip in Utah. Uh, it was between the Colorado and the Green River. And uh, we were basically canoeing along. And uh, there were, uh, we had to camp along the side of the riverbank. Um, learning how to, you know, pitch a tent in sand was <laughs> a little tough, <laughs> uh, but we, uh, we apparently had pitched tents on an island infested with black widows. 
Um, and that was our first encounter with a challenge, but we were very intelligent with how we packed away our food and packed away our tent so that we could keep an eye out and we left as soon as we could. Um, so that was, it was good teamwork when someone had spotted the uh, Black Widow nest and had alerted the team leaders that showed the importance of like communication between people. Um, and from there we left and then we went on these gorgeous mini hikes on these amazing um, kind of like sedimentary rocks. I guess they had beautiful layers of like, you know, creams and, and uh, reds and such rich coloring. I'd never seen rocks in that color before. Um, and Kirsten was, was so sweet. Like she took care of me when I, when I got kind of sick on the trip, uh, that they knew all of the emergency procedures. They were very, you know, prepared for that. And, uh, it was, it was a huge team effort. Um, and in fact, we all banded together when there was a windstorm <laughs> um, and literally one of the canoes like blew into the air. Um, and we and luckily we learned from that that you need to uh, like stake down the canoes when when you put them on shore just in, in case of any strong winds. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know there were strong winds in Utah. In so Utah. Uh, yeah, of all places. So uh, yeah. And I got to, you know, chat with uh, Lewis Grace, one of the leaders. We were stuck in a, in a tent like all night. Um, you know, we stayed up to just make sure that no one else got, got hurt or was scared. And luckily, we all banded together in those moments. And overall, it was a fantastic trip. Uh, we, and we learned resilience, I would say, which very important skill to have. <laughs> was this yeah. a spring break trip? Yes, it was a spring break trip. I don't remember which year, but it was a spring yeah. break trip. Nice. I was so happy to get on one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So you yeah. and then you also did like a lot of overnight and day hikes as well. Oh yeah, I almost every weekend. Uh, it was the unfortunate part was I was recovering from a flesh eating disease I had contracted in high school, um, and I actually had chemotherapy for it, and that's what my TEDx talk was about. And I used hiking as an escape, so mm-hmm. I didn't really have many friends. So every weekend I would hike. And I actually, that was how I created a friend group during a very like hard time, personal hard time. And uh, I remember like, uh, oh boy, like a Mount Dana trip in Yosemite. It was, that was an incredible trip um, because I I never had hiked up a scree mountaintop, which scree is like, you know, the very rough, mm-hmm. sharp rocks that are loose and there's literally no traction. So I had to like become more resilient and, and the group banded together. Um, we had a few ROTC kids, uh, shout out to Nicholas Chan. Uh, he was on the trip and they all rooted me on because it was very tough, like mm-hmm. physically to go up that I was like and to go down because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm horrified of downhill hi- uh, hiking and I was afraid of falling over but uh and Joe Curran one of the leaders he really helped me get up and down that and that's like I think the second highest peak well obviously minus half dome but it was like one of the I think it's the second or third highest peak in Yosemite so the fact that we all made it up and down that probably my second favorite trip yeah and we did oh and I did so many other day trips (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. it was fantastic yeah I could I don't know I I could just rattle (laughs) off more but I don't know if you want me to talk about other things too because I could just 
gabble on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear about like what you touched on in terms of Into the Wild being kind of like a safe haven for your social life. I think mm-hmm. um that's something that's really undermined in the transition to college is how difficult that social transition can be. Um and we definitely like strive to be a center for people to just like meet other people so I'd love to hear about like that experience and like some of the people you made that are met and the relationships you were able to make yeah oh yeah it's truly into the wild was my social life like period so I could just list I mean Nicholas Chan for one I'm actually gonna meet up with him next week I haven't spoken with him in like six years but that's the connection that we have from those trips I was able to just text him and then reconnect so like um Cole Wiley's another one he's still in the Silicon Valley uh I met people that from other majors that I would have never met otherwise that's the true value of these kind of trips is it's literally random like you meet Mm -hmm. like anyone it's it's the possibilities are endless on who you will meet. Mm -hmm. Um, I even met a couple engineering students and some one or two graduate students, which is more rare, but it was so interesting banding together in that way because it's not like, uh, it's like this kind of club is not just for environmentally conscious majors or environmental degrees. It's for all degrees, for everyone who wants to enjoy nature. Like the, the common thread is just, enjoyment outside like period so and it was it was invaluable truly like I all these people I met though I have lost contact with you know some obviously I've I've met hundreds over because I did so many trips (laughs) it's kind of crazy but the ones I have maintained contact with are still very very good friends and people I can you know lean on so very thankful yeah yeah (laughs) Um, something, so I met up with a lot of past Into the Wild leaders this weekend, which was really special, and something that we all kind of bonded over was the ability when you're on an Into the Wild trip or with people who are kind of, like, around Into the Wild is to be a weird, funny (laughs) version of yourself, and I don't know if that's something that you gathered from your experience, but it's definitely, like, the culture of Into the Wild and the people that it kind of brings out are a little bit weird and like to show off kind of their their authentic weirdness <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> big yes because uh it maybe it's hard to tell or it is easy to tell but I'm kind of goofy <laughs> so, <laughs> so I love the goof stuff like I just love doing crazy stuff impersonations like <laughs> you know singing to songs that you would probably not want to hear me sing to but I do it anyway mm-hmm. and oh on all those uh drives and all the overnight trips my God, like you, you would see the true, the true colors of people. And it was always positive. Like I remember uh, Thomas Archer was another one. He was so quiet when I first met him. But then once he was out in the field, like hiking and, you know, doing these trips, he's the funniest guy ever, like very charming, very funny. Like you, this, the true nature of people comes out when you're in nature, <laughs> I swear. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I remember very thoroughly times where I kind of became like the mother hen for some of the the younger kids as I got older (laughs) and it was great like I would you know give a a sweater or a a pillow to one of the other guys on the trip and we'd all just joke around and you know have these pillow fights or whatever it was Mm -hmm. just like brotherly bond sisterly bond like kind of thing that I missed out on because I'm like an only child so it was really interesting seeing the goofiness of everyone (laughs) yeah yeah and I would do it all again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so when you're going outside, what is what are some of your main goals in terms of what you seek to get from the outdoors? Yeah, oh, that's a great one. For me, it's because of the sicknesses I've had in the past, the mm-hmm. going outside really mentally and physically, you know, centered me like back to back to health. Like it, mm-hmm. uh, I know unfortunately because of the you know the chemotherapy I did it was only a, a, a two-month period of that but it destroyed my stomach flora so I have a really hard time with digestion going outside and walking actually amazing it, it helps regulate your whole body like I swear mm-hmm. body mind soul stomach everything mm-hmm. so my goals you know when I'm outside is just observe nature and, and also admire the animals and plants because I'm a big fan of just everything to do with nature. Like how it's so beautiful how, you know, certain birds interact with the trees and uh, the sounds they make. And even just the, the silence with it's like, even though it's silent in nature, you're always hearing something. And it's like the most beautiful kind of white noise. It's so relaxing. So like, I just try to chill (laughs) because I'm very high strung. And I'm going to become a lawyer, so I got to chill a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, do you think you'll, like, going with your law degree, that's definitely a, mm-hmm. it's going to be very time-consuming, and mm-hmm. um, you'll yes. probably be spending a lot of time, you know, studying, and mm-hmm. you obviously took the LSAT. Yeah. Um, so yeah. how have you used your relationship with the outdoors to... Um, find like your passion Mm -hmm. and where you want to go in life because I know a lot of us have a strong relationship and connectivity to the outdoors and Mm -hmm. how did you leverage your relationship and experience in the outdoors to find your passion and calling yeah well that's a great one too um for in terms of like finding the passion and calling it definitely it was tough because I always loved being outside I didn't really know how to translate that into a career because mm-hmm. um, I know there's environmental policy, there's, you know, the actual biological sciences, but I was drawn more to, I don't know, speaking and communication, and I didn't know how to really, you know, you know reconcile the two, but my dad suggested, it. he's a lawyer, he suggested I try out law, and he didn't put pressure on what, you know, uh, specific type of law to go into, uh, so he left it up to me, and I'm kind of you know, debating if maybe environmental law, maybe animal rights law. Um, I've really recently animal cruelty prosecution has sounded really good to me, like getting people who hurt animals in jail Mm -hmm. or heavily fined, uh, you know, pay out of pocket for all the bad things you do. That uh, sounds super interesting to me. Um, But yeah, it's very up in the air. and I guess I, I really hope during my time in law school, I'll still have time to hike because I can't like lose that part of me because and there is a club, I believe, in the law school that does this. So mm-hmm. I look forward to joining. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's mm-hmm. so important, yeah. at least to me, because I, I, I might be considering law school. I don't know. We'll oh. see. But <laughs> it's kind of daunting to just see how much work and time mm-hmm. and but really taking that time to spend outside Mm -hmm. and do what makes you happy, even though like law school might end up (laughs) doing something that will make you happy in the future, hopefully, but making sure that you carve out time for yourself is really important. Yeah. Oh yeah. I agree completely. Cause 
it, it's definitely a, a problem. There's a misconception, I guess, in the law, like especially with big law. Oh, you have to work thousands of hours and that's your whole life. But I guess the pandemic made me realize that I I cannot just be in an office all the time. Like when I was probably the worst period of my life was studying for the LSAT and during COVID because I literally could not leave the house without oh fear of infecting my very old parents, the mm. one's 75 and one's 55. And, you know, my dad's not in that great of a health. So yeah. it's like, ugh. so it, I used, thank goodness, I used hiking as an escape. Yeah. So I would love to, if I can incorporate the you know environmental things into my job that'd be awesome but if not I will definitely take every chance I can to like get outside (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. so you talked about how um you like to spend your time outside being observant um and appreciative of all like the different animals and the different Mm -hmm. nature around you I'm curious as to like how your time spent outside has impacted your relationship with self Mm. Yeah, that's that's a hard one for me because I feel like it it all I would hike, you know, all the time in high school, too, because I also didn't have many friends. It's a theme in my life is like I didn't connect very well with people my age was I was raised by very old parents. So it kind of affected how I matured. I matured kind of fast. And and uh, so I guess the hiking was my my, you know, distraction and my like love since mm-hmm. high school and but I guess more recently it maybe it has changed my, how I view myself because I guess I'm it's growing my confidence and showing the uh you know the strengths that I have because uh, you know bouncing back from the sicknesses I've had and still being able to hike for hours and appreciate health in general that's just something that I believe it has improved my sense of self and self-confidence so that's that is probably the best thing that has come out of being in nature so far for me. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you expand a little bit more about how it kind of improved your self-confidence, just yeah. like being in nature and maybe even forming friendships with people mm-hmm. who you didn't know before, like you were talking yeah. about earlier, who you might not have met if it hadn't been for Into the Wild? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's uh, The self-confidence definitely came from, I would say, the kind of strange fact that I would make friends quickly <laughs> it's it's a contradictory to what I said earlier in terms of I didn't have many close friends per se but I was pretty good at like socializing and like getting the chat going and making people laugh and I love making people laugh like I don't I don't care if it's for a long time but if it's a short good time that's good that's all that satisfies me if I can like cheer people up for that hour-long hike or if I can like you know entertain people for that weekend hiking trip that actually soothes my soul like that's very rewarding for me mm-hmm. it's not about people pleasing it's about like yeah. self-fulfillment actually like I do love entertaining people so that I would say that into the wild too like making friends like it really did help with that because it it made it kind of forced me to almost like it's like speed dating style like get to know people fast mm-hmm. and then from there if it if it pans out it pans out you can follow up by text later and if not it's okay like you'll still probably see each other in the hallways so that was that was a really good part of into the wild like the self confidence of 
no pressure. If I make a friend, I do. If I don't, it's okay. Like we had a great time for that period of time. <laughs> so it was, it was good. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love you. that because no, I'm <laughs> such a big believer in that because I think mm-hmm. that like, you never know how things are going to pan out, but like, if it's a good day, it was a good day. Yeah. Yes. I love that. <laughs> I'm curious how you will use your experience in the law school yeah. and being an advocate for out the outdoors and nature yeah. in this really daunting <laughs> time with climate change and what's mm-hmm. to come for our nation and world. Yeah, ooh, that's a great that yeah, that's a great one. People in the law school tend to get into this vacuum of, oh, I can only work and socialize with law students, but I'm a big proponent of no way, like, (laughs) you got to keep those Mm -hmm. connections from before and from outside of your school alive, like, and actually, I'm very thankful I have these three months now where I've been volunteering at Vegilution and um, at Animal Assisted Happiness in Sunnyvale, and, and I'm getting to know people in the health and environmental related fields, and um, I can actually see where the law could play in and actually really help them simply with like property rights to like be able to expand the, the urban farms for the poor in San Jose, like getting the getting the rights to uh, own chickens, because apparently uh, it, it's not legal in some parts of the county or whatnot. So right. it's uh, there are ways to incorporate it. And I'm hoping at, while I'm in the law school, I can, you know, join. There is an animal legal defense fund. And, and I can maybe, in, you know, recruit people who aren't in these, um, you know, environmental or uh, animal related fields um, to, you know, join in or, or just come to a club meeting. So I feel like there are ways to get law students out of their heads and into into nature and, and it will it will happen. I will make it happen. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you have such a yeah. unique like position and yeah. influence in yeah. like when you are a law student and have mm-hmm. this, you know, mm-hmm. connection and relationship with the outdoors because mm-hmm. it's such an important thing to learn and to yeah. learn it at a young age before mm-hmm. you pursue whatever career you're going to. Yeah. Having that is really influential and yeah, no, I'm really impressed. Um, and it's something I'm definitely curious about, but I haven't mm-hmm. taken a ton of time to learn about. Um, but we are in the heart of really where like the conservationist movement started with the law. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm curious as to like what your insight or opinion is um, on like, yeah, how, um, how intimately interconnected the law and the outdoors are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, it's fun fact is uh, my, my dad is... Uh, friends with uh John Burton the former uh Democratic National uh or California Democratic Party leader wow. um and he uh Phil Burton I believe is cousin or, or brother I'm not entirely sure Phil Burton was one of the uh guys who started the Golden Gate recreational um uh you know uh protected lands um which that were a huge deal because he he essentially protected the Marin Headlands and and, uh, and other parts of Marin County, which is like an hour and a half from here, that are essential. Tennessee Valley, uh, there's so many Stinson Beach, uh, wow. Rodeo Beach. Uh, uh, there's a lot of, you know, amazing. And then, of course, where I was born in Marin County, I forgot to mention, Mount Tamil Pius is the start of mountain biking and the start of a lot of advocacy. So it's very ingrained. And then, of course, in Santa Clara, too, there's these urban farming things, which I was not as experienced with, and now I'm getting to know what they're like. Very cool how intertwined uh, even property law, the most 
old law in the world is property law yeah. started in England and be before that too. Uh, how property law and like uh, even commercial real estate development, it's all it's all connected to the environment because mm-hmm. you're building if you're building on like a brown field, which is toxic, a toxic field. You uh, you're uh, you have strict it's called strict liability. You're 100 percent responsible if anything happens to the people or things that live on that plot of land like you're if you've bought that you're assuming a huge responsibility so it's sad because these brownfields like there's actually one next to Safeway okay. next to Santa Clara University right, there is. there's yeah, a brownfield yeah. yeah Chris Bacon told me shout no. out to Chris Bacon I love you <laughs> okay but anyway uh, yeah he told us about that and there's a problem because you can't develop that into like that would be a great spot for like an urban farm but it's literally poisoned soil so there's implications, you know, everywhere, it, you know, marshlands that get developed into shopping malls that happened all around Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the worst thing to do for the climate because <clears throat> of the fact that they're carbon sinks and they, you know, mm-hmm. take CO- CO2 from the atmosphere. So uh, it's yeah, it's uh, their law and the environment are very much intertwined mm. in, in this area and where I'm from, which is an hour away-ish. So, and yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. And yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, you, you go to Texas, and there's a lot of brown fields in Texas, too. I mean, you go, like, Florida, there's sea level rise, and mm. all these rich houses are losing their property line or whatever. People fighting over beach access, and they're not thinking about cleaning up the beach, but mm. they want access to it. So yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Uh, yeah, it's very important, even if you're not a lawyer, to be aware of these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved hearing about that because mm-hmm. in my one of my classes, I just learned about the United Nations Conference on mm-hmm. Sustainable Development mm-hmm. in Rio in, I think, yes. 2012. Mm-hmm. And just the influence that sustainable development is going to have on our future, mm-hmm. especially with sea level rise and being really mindful of the materials that we use and mm-hmm. the impact that policymakers and lawyers can have on climate change and while like all these things that we're doing to yeah. help mitigate and reduce like carbon emissions and, and the city if we're not working with like the sea level rise for example like you mentioned mm-hmm. in Florida with yeah. how they're building like walls but that's really detrimental to the ecosystems in Florida so it's actually having a negative impact really interesting to learn about like the policy and the influence that lawyers will have but also the polarization between Mm -hmm. policymakers and just citizens in the Mm -hmm. city and why that's such a barrier to Mm -hmm. having a positive impact on our climate because right now we are just so incredibly polarized that we're not going to have any action unless we unite and I think the outdoors and nature definitely has a lot of potential to close that gap with mm-hmm. the polarization that we have yeah. in politics right now. Oh yeah, I oh I agree completely cuz people get lost in the policy and the mm-hmm. you know the urban planning versus uh totally. you know uh, it's ridiculous, you know. Yeah. Oh, we can't you know we can't build affordable housing here because of XYZ or we can't do this but we're happy to build a shopping mall that <laughs> destroys like the ecosystem, you know. It's these strange, you know, it's just the incentivization of, you know, because it's all about, you know, money. making money. Yeah, unfortunately, that's how, we're, you know, how we are in society. So, yeah, it's, it's so important to just remember that they're the, the most basic thing, like just being outside. Like, do you want your kids to not see a tree? <laughs> I mean, not to be dramatic, but literally, do you not want your kids to enjoy fresh air, like clean yeah. air, clean water? 
water is going to become the next war. It's going to be on water. That's it's already happening in Sudan and other countries where there's not enough water. Uh, women in Africa traveling miles to get clean water for their children. Like it's it's insane what's going on. So uh, the the waste from solar batteries. Uh, you know we we love to say Tesla's great, but what about the implications of creating these batteries and children mining for minerals? Uh, you know abusive labor. So. It's everything is connected and we have to think more broadly. And I'm really hoping that if we just focus first on let's all walk together, maybe we'll get past the political <laughs> differences, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're um, when you were here, because it's actually hard to like five years ago would have yeah. been yeah the last trips that you would have done. Um, were there any things that you at the time saw um, that you wanted to see improve or change in Into the Wild or the ways that you wanted to see Into the Wild grow as an organization on campus? Mm. Yeah, uh, yes, big yes. I, I mean, I loved every minute of it. However, now that I've had some distance from it, I, I do uh, no, realize that there were some things that I think should have been uh, taught a bit better. Um, definitely uh, emergency safety, all, not just the trip leaders, but the <clears throat> attendees should have uh, been educated, I think, a little bit better on that. Um, though the leaders did a fantastic job when I had my own health crisis, but I, I truly think that that is something everyone should know. Um, even like requiring, I hate to say it, but like a wilderness first aid course for everyone who wants to do it. Because I, I just think it, it can't hurt to know that the whole team can help if there's a problem. Um, and then uh, secondly, I think you guys do a great job of this now, but uh, definitely uh, including people that maybe are not as social or a little shy. Because I remember uh, at the time it was very a very gregarious, charismatic group, which is awesome. Mm. But I, I believe it did leave out some of the more shy folks that maybe thought the idea of being with random folks for a weekend was like horror. But I bet if they had tried it, they would have fallen in love with it. But it's just that barrier to like starting yeah. Um, but I think you guys are so much better at that now that from what I've heard from others and yeah, and I, but, and personally, I've learned how to be a better person too, just because I did not voice when I was feeling unwell (laughs) and the pressure to like keep up with the group, like, no, you got to say, if you like need a break for water, you know, water breaks are (laughs) really important. So that was like just basic little things, but overall it was fantastic. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked what you said about expanding who comes on our trips, because I think it definitely is daunting to go on a trip, especially if you're more of an introvert and less comfortable pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And the outdoors is such a great place to do that. And I think people who don't necessarily haven't had that experience before don't know that but once they try it like they'll love it regardless if they're you know an extrovert introvert so I think just continuing our presence on campus and continuing to lead by example and having a very inclusive mindset and presence on campus but also if it's our language or different ways that we can expand Mm -hmm. who comes on our trips because I think that is a really important thing that you mentioned about who comes on them. 
Yeah. It was fun. I was in the elevator <laughs> two days ago in Dunn, where I live, and there were a bunch of people that just came back from like a rafting trip. They were just, they were like, oh my God, that was so fun. Like, oh, oh my God, I was so scared, but like we did it. Oh my God, I can't believe they let me steer the boat. And it was just fun <laughs> because they had no idea I wasn't into the wild leader. <laughs> and I totally knew they were coming back from one. So it was really totally. fun. And I'm sure they all became friends because of that. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I love that. That's I love seeing the cars when they're coming back from a trip or leaving for a trip. It's just so it's so exciting that like moment in time. It's like so giddy. <laughs> <laughs> Do they still have the minivans when you went on trips or? Oh no! So I know we had you know personal cars. So oh, like, Angram, Subaru, Joe Coran, Subaru. <laughs> uh, who else? Um, there was another. There was a bunch of like cute cars. Like we had like some. I loved it. It was so eclectic because like you never knew what you were getting into so yeah we have minivans at the oh, moment wow. but also personal cars it's yeah. a mix of both oh that's cool <laughs> so do you have any questions for us as current leaders of into the wild about ooh. what the organization looks like now ooh ooh that's cool yeah i'm curious if you guys are uh like advertising in like different you know engineering classrooms or like are you trying to like cross you know you know i guess you know, cross, uh, what is it, pollinate, <laughs> to use an environmental term, like to different uh, buildings and different associations on campus? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think a lot of our, a lot of, all of our emails go to like all of the undergraduate students. Nice, yeah. um, and that's kind of like our main source of just getting the information out about yeah. like the trips that are going to be led that weekend. We do have an outreach like positions. Having students who are leaders so we have some engineers some mm. people in the business school some people in arts and sciences that's really important um yeah because I'm, I know like a lot of us probably talk about it in the classroom and with our friends and oh we're going on an into the wild trip like you should come so I think a lot of it's word of mouth we also table so just like different ways that we can market it broadly I don't think we have like a specific marketing strategy towards the engineering <laughs> building versus like the business building yeah I'm so I'm very thankful that you've brought me on and, and it's great that you guys have a podcast now I think that's a very smart way to like you know get the word out so yeah awesome <laughs> yeah do you have any other questions mm, no I guess uh I'm just super happy that you guys are thriving and you know this is so nice to be here <laughs> thank you yeah. thank you um so last question, if you could give any advice to some undergraduate students here, um, students that have gone on trips this year that are listening or students that are listening that have never gone into the wild trip, maybe are thinking about it or maybe are horrified, mm -hmm. like you said. So. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Do it. <laughs> you won't regret it. Even if you have a bad or okay time on a trip, You'll mm. be dang proud of yourself for doing it. Trust me, because you put yourself out there. Like, if, if this is not your thing, it will become your thing. I, I'm telling you. Like, if you're not an outdoor person, you could become one. <laughs> That's how much it impacted me. Like, I know I always was an outdoor person. But uh, honestly, just if you're a little scared, take your roommate or, you know, make it less, uh, you know, intimidating by coming into the, into the wild office ahead of time and talking to a leader. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's another way... Uh, just don't be afraid. You can rent gear. There's no barrier to starting this. It, it's just in your mind. Like it was in my mind and the barrier went down as soon as I tried it. So, and in terms of general advice too, uh, boy, I, 
don't spend all your time studying. It's not worth it. <laughs> Definitely mm. make time for clubs and socialization because you'll that's what you'll remember once you graduate. It's so short. Like, God, it, college is so short and the pandemic just made it seem freaking shorter now for a lot of people. So just seize the time. This is a very special time in your life. It, you won't you won't get this time back ever again. It's a gift to be with people your age in this period. So seize seize the every moment you can and and go outside and as a I think as Brewster said, send it. <laughs> I don't usually say that, but send it. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming into the KSU office today to talk Uh, with us. That was so fun. I loved hearing uh, about all of your memories and experiences. You have such a good memory. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The pandemic is like, I'm bringing back old memories. But like, if you ask me about last week, I don't remember. I literally don't. (laughs) It's really bad. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you all for listening. We can't wait to continue bringing you more content. Stay tuned for our next episode that will be announced in our weekly emails. Until then, get up, get out, and get wild.